welcome back to Down to a Fine Art. Today we are joined by Emma Booth, another guest, another little artist interview lined up for you today. Um, I'm going to hand over to Emma to introduce herself because she's just such a multi-faceted individual that <laughs> I think that might be simpler for her to introduce herself. So Emma, hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi guys, thank you. It's really nice to be here. Um, so hi everyone, I'm Emma. I'm primarily a photographer but I count myself as a curator and just a general creative in the sense of I love to do lots of different projects and things. Um, so, I mean, I graduated from um, the University of Plymouth in 2020, so prime pandemic time, which was great fun. <laughs> um, and since then, kind of been doing a few different projects and I now um, work part-time so I have a four day a week office job so I'm a marketing e-commerce assistant and I get to do lots of the studio photography there which is quite fun um oh, wow. so I'm doing that four days a week and cramming in every little bit of freelance stuff that I can because I really love doing freelance in whatever sense that is um whether it be I'm doing some editorial um I've got some photography little bits and bobs and just trying to get networking really so yeah like lots of different things going on and obviously with you guys doing the take collective producers as well which is really fun so I'm really enjoying that yes. as also um so yeah fab a nice nice range of things going on there but yes yeah, so obviously for the listeners like Emma mentioned um we know each other from the take collective producers I think this pops up quite a lot. We've had a few people on that we know mm. through Tate as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's so lovely to have you on. Um, and I have to say that I have been looking forward to this one for quite a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, thank you. But yeah, I mean, I guess to start, I actually just wanted to say, this is a very weird thing to pick up on, but I really liked that you called yourself a creative. Like when you when we asked you like, you know, introduce yourself. I really enjoy the fact that you were like, you know, I do a bit of photography, I do a bit of curation, but I'm a creative. I love that. I think I might mm. steal that. And I feel like that's actually, um, that's something that like, I think can be picked up on quite a lot is if you're, well, just creative, you know, maybe, maybe you're not just a painter or a sculptor, you know, you can do mm. like a lot of different things. And I think art encourages that as well. So I like the term creative. I'm going to use that. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think you should, yeah. I mean, I had this, when I was coming out of uni, I had this kind of dilemma because I feel sometimes like uni tries to put you in a box and I found it really difficult coming to the end of third year and there's all this hype about you're going to leave now and you've got to be prepared. You've got to have a website. You've got to have a business model. You know, you've got to brand yourself. And I found it really difficult to kind of think, well, what do I want to be? Who do I want to be? And also kind of what tag is that going to come along with? You know, do you just say you're a photographer or do you say you're a freelancer? Do you say you're a curator? And I really love doing all these things and found it really difficult to just say on my website, I'm a photographer. Because actually, at the moment, I haven't really been taking that many photographs. In comparison to when I was at uni and I was studying photography um, for three years, obviously, my main practice was photography. Um, but now it's it's so varied. And I didn't really expect that when I was studying in third year. I, I didn't really have any plans for when I finished uni. And I just kind of thought, well, let's kind of 
see what I can get out of the networks that I have and kind of go from there and do what I enjoy doing. And it's changed quite a lot. But I think the term creative kind of, I've kind of taken that on to kind of, yeah, just it kind of opens it up a bit more instead of it being very narrow, restricted and what your practice could be. So yeah, that's kind of like something I've taken on. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how that like fits with like a photography degree because obviously Izzy and I are both fine art Mm. and I think we're always encouraged to use like quite a broad range of like not necessarily to always be using a different media every day or anything like that but you know we can really do anything we want like including photography and so I'm I realize I don't really have that much knowledge of like a photography degree and what that entails because I guess you are obviously pretty limited to photography I presume there's not much room for like drawing and stuff like that I only say that, that might be a stupid question, but I only say that because I know there's a family, there's a drawing course, but you're not limited to drawing Mm. on the drawing course. It's just like a different title. So I don't know if photography, like, I just don't really know how photography as a degree works. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, um, our tutors, well, I actually, my first two years I was at Exeter School of Art. So I did a foundation degree and then I topped up the degree to the full BA at the University of Plymouth. So those kind of two campuses were quite different ways of learning and quite different approaches. Um, so when I was at Exeter, it was very, very loose. I had a really great teacher called Brendan. He's very much like analog photography based, but um, kind of really super open, allowed you to experiment, do whatever you want and actively encouraged that. And we had access to things like life drawing, lots of different other practices Mm. so you could bring in maybe some sort of design if you wanted to um we had different modules where we would be designing books and um like stitching them together that sort of thing so um doing book binding and a lot of photography if it's film-based or kind of alternative photography is a lot more you're kind of working with natural materials maybe you're like hand making the paper or if you want to go in the dark room, use chemicals, experiment, do cyanotypes. So there's loads of different options rather than just the you know more traditional photography. And you can go down lots of different avenues. But um, although my practice is mainly digital now, I still kind of always like to go back to my roots. And I think I was very much encouraged, especially in the first two years of my degree at Exeter, to really just go wild, try everything and like be really natural in kind of what that led to. So that was really nice, I think, as well. And it's very open. Like you could do drawing if you wanted to, or like I said, design. So yeah, there's lots of room for scope as well on the degree Mm. course, which was cool. Yeah, that does sound interesting. I mean, what kind of like, I mean, I know you said you're you're working more digital now. Which one do you prefer, digital or analog? And also, did you want to like describe your practice a little bit, kind of what? Um, yeah for sure yeah what you like to look at and things like that um so my final year project kind of like final major project um I was working on project surrounding my role as a carer so I'm a carer for both my dad and my younger sister um and I was kind of using photography as a way to navigate that and kind of just like almost understand the emotional impacts of that and kind of very fluidly respond to moments that were within the home and also when I was going out kind of using photography as a personal escapism so going on these long walks and just responding to whatever I kind of felt compelled to capture and often that 
took form in kind of either some portraits if I was at home and the light was really beautiful and I wanted to respond to that or just sometimes they they were a bit more composed like if I wanted to um, there was one that I did of myself a self-portrait that um, was done on a tripod so it was a bit more of like a composed image rather than just a capturing of a moment Mm -hmm. but I like to keep it very fluid and that kind of people and place come up quite a lot in my work but kind of also the family is quite a big topic in my work as well because I've done another project where I I did a visit to Albuquerque New Mexico in the summer of 2019 because I have family out there that I'd never met before so I traveled out there and kind of finally met all these new family members um, and did a project on that and it's all of my grandpa's family it was the 25th anniversary of his death so it was kind of like we went out there and we met all these families so I'm looking at the family archive and kind of journeys of bloodline that sort of thing so I'm really interested in these kind of stories of self and stories of family and what that can kind of bring up within the work and yeah kind of just in general my work's very fluid and kind of touches on lots of different things and I think it depends on my circumstances at the time as well it kind of tends to fluctuate quite a lot mm. depending on where I am in my life type thing um which is quite nice yeah that's amazing so obviously you mentioned that family was quite a large I suppose theme maybe would you describe it mm-hmm. as that yeah, yeah quite like a large so. part of your work is that something that you always had in your practice or did that develop at a particular point I guess I'd just be interested to know kind of how your work has evolved since I guess, like, right at the beginning of your degree versus mm-hmm. the end of your degree compared to now that you've obviously graduated and you're living in the real adult world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, first of all, I um, one of my first projects at uni was actually photographing people. It was purely a portrait project, but it's photographing people who live with chronic illness or some form of hidden disability, so anything that can't really be perceived by the eye. Um, so that kind of, the inspiration from that was um, stemming from my sister. So she has diagnosed fibromyalgia and POTS syndrome. Um, so it kind of, I was photographing her on and off for a while anyway. And obviously her being at home and I was living at home. So it was kind of like natural inspiration to kind of take photographs. of. Um, and then kind of, there was a period where she... Well, she was going through her teens, so it was like an interesting time anyway, kind of that transition into adulthood. And yeah, I think her health really started to deteriorate a lot more and it kind of became more present within the work and I kind of just let that evolve. And then I became really interested in that perception and how that can be actually represented in photography and how almost how difference can be represented in photography or how people are represented in general. So I was the, my intentions for the work were to keep the portraits quite simple and to like work with the person and to kind of have quite a collaborative approach to kind of come to a portrait that we're both happy with and we had a mutual understanding and that level of trust there. Um, mm-hmm. And then from that, I just I became really interested in that type of work and portraiture and then yeah a few years later after some different projects that's where I kind of 
um, just started doing more of like a closer study on my family, more of like an introspection as well, kind of how that actually impacted myself and more of a like an emotional like subtlety to the work and kind of how I navigated that personally. So it became like from quite a, not a public piece of work, but photographing other people to kind of very introspective in third year, mm. um, which was a nice way of working. And I think, yeah, I'm hoping to continue it more, but the last year has honestly flown by. I don't even know where the time's <laughs> gone. I've been so busy and I've barely had time to pick up a camera, to be honest, other than for work-related stuff. It's kind of crazy how you get out of uni and all of a sudden there's this massive pressure to kind of earn money or get a job or all these different things and then I think for a few months I was like I'm going to give myself a break and that month has kind of turned into nearly a year now where I haven't fully concentrated on making personal work but I've I've got lots of ideas brewing for that so at some point I'll Mm. really properly dedicate some time to it. That's exciting I think I can already like obviously Izzy and I are only just finishing second Mm -hmm. year but I can really already like we're in the summer holidays we're about a month in I'd say and I did the same thing like even just over the holidays I was like I have so much I want to do over the holidays but I'll give myself like a week off and now it's turned into a month and I'm like I just don't know where it's kind of when you're at uni obviously you have that designated time Mm. and space and kind of almost just like pressure to make something and then as soon as that's like taken off you I can imagine that it's just a lot more difficult to kind of I guess maybe prioritise doing personal stuff when, yeah, like you said, there's suddenly this pressure to get a job and have real life commitments. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, have you found like with lockdown that, I don't know, I guess to be fair, you kind of already answered this question. I was going to say that it kind of helped your work or like fed into your work in a way that if you're already doing quite introspective or like family oriented kind of work, then in some ways lockdown, I don't know, would that have helped that or like I think um I mean the first lockdown in March 2020 that was when I was in my third year and um true yeah this was the time when everyone said at uni oh you know this whole thing will blow over we'll see you in a couple of weeks you know and then Mm. obviously Covid hasn't blown over as we can all tell (laughs) we're still here (laughs) um but yeah at the time um I really appreciated having that focus in the first lockdown it it really like got me through and um being at home all the time I think it both helped and hindered my work because sometimes you do need a bit of space from it you need to be able to go away and come back and so I did find it I was working quite closely with family archives and so wasn't necessarily going out and taking photographs as much kind of looking at more curation in that sense and kind of different layering of images, both found images and like family archive images. So it was quite a different way of working anyway. So I wasn't necessarily photographing within the home as much at that point. But I think, yeah, after I handed in all of my assignments and everything and uni was officially finished, I found it quite hard still being in the lockdown, not having any space, but then... I felt like I wanted to make work because I find it very much like a creative outlet. That's how I express Mm. myself. And I I felt like I really needed to do that because it helped so much. But I I think um, I had three years of almost putting a bit of pressure on myself to make that because when you're in uni, a headspace is 
such a you make work to finish a deadline or anything like that so when you literally have no boundaries in place I personally find that quite difficult I actually work really well to a deadline and although Mm. some people especially with creativity you know how do you navigate a deadline do you thrive or do you just you know not produce great work it's kind of one extreme to the other but I actually I'm quite good with deadlines I get the the pressure of it helps me and it gives me like that time scale which I think I need so after I didn't have that I found it really difficult I had all this time and I was wanting to put it into these projects but it was almost like overload and I was just so it was so much going on at the same time as well so I think it really depends on how you work as a creative and kind of what boundaries you put in place for yourself within your practice and I think everyone works really differently. Mm, You know that's something that um, weirdly I was actually talking about earlier I was kind of saying that I'm personally for me I struggle with freedom I just almost like the weight of just complete freedom crushes me it's just not very fun (laughs) Um, yeah but yeah I think I'm the type of person that when there's just there's no deadlines no boundaries no constraints Mm -hmm. nothing to kind of guide me I I think I just become overwhelmed and I sort of freeze more than anything. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people kind of work in different ways, but for me, I find it a bit um, a bit crippling, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think in all honesty, that's already something I'm worrying about for the future. Like, I know mm-hmm. I'm quite an anxious person. I know I worry quite a lot. But yeah, this is something that is kind of, I've noticed, I'm sort of thinking about more and more. I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of, Um, almost like get the hang of working so I think this last semester I started playing around with using like schedules so Mm -hmm. I'd plan I think Sunday evening I'd sit down with my laptop and I'd plan a timetable for the coming week and kind of organize my time I'd track the hours I was you know every week I'd do like two hours of reading four hours of painting I'd sort of track that and I quite liked that but I think it's it's definitely something I'm noticing more is, yeah, for the future I'm thinking like, right, I really need to figure out how I work. So when I graduate, mm. I'm not overwhelmed by the fact that I've just been launched mm. into like the unknown of just overwhelming freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but also I, I do think that is kind of a necessary part, not to say that you want to be overwhelmed, but that to some extent, I don't think people talk about that. That is... Mm. gonna happen you are gonna suddenly be in the big wide world and think oh wait I suddenly don't have this support bubble that I built around myself and yeah you'll have your peers and your network but you won't have the routine there and I think yeah I think in uni the whole the build-up is so much and then all of a sudden you kind of have this like what do I do with my time like who do I want to be and I think uh, there's a lot of people that really struggle after graduation they find it really hard to kind of navigate that and I think everyone has to navigate that and choose what they do with their time or whatever and everyone has their own pace which I think is also quite a a hard thing to deal with when you graduate and then a few months later you know 20s are a weird age obviously not everyone is 20 when they graduate but in your 20s some people are buying houses some people are doing full freelance some Mm -hmm. people are going off traveling some people are working full-time some people aren't doing any of that and just choosing their own path so 
there's so much going on and you're like do I take a little bit of inspiration from here from there and I think all you can do is choose whatever feels right for you really and that's about all you can do but it is it's really hard when you graduate I certainly found it hard anyway at first and it's taken me about a year to get my head around that whole mindset like the transition from student to graduate mindset is a real whirlwind really and um yeah it's it's just a time where you're constantly evolving and every day is kind of different and you make what you make of it but it is such a change because you've you know been in education for three years or potentially if you've gone straight in you know your whole life pretty much so it is a big change Mm, yeah I think like kind of it is that thing isn't it of most people have been on that education path and the conventional route I guess is you do kind of like primary school secondary school Mm. you know college or a levels or something and then like quite a lot of people go straight to the into degree and so then yeah when you're released from that if you're in your 20s then suddenly it's kind of you've reached the end of like the default path that's set out for you and suddenly you've got to start like yeah making more sort of life choices for yourself I guess which I'm really not looking forward to (laughs) But I mean, did you do you have any like tips or like things that you I mean, I'm not necessarily sure that wish that you would have known is the right way of doing it, because I don't know how you feel, but you seem to have everything quite together. (laughs) But like, is there anything that you liked that you did right or kind of like, um, yeah, how do you how do you feel it's gone? (laughs) I mean, I'm glad I give that perception because it's it's really not always like that. (laughs) It's always it's a whole collection of emotions really and kind of up and down um but I think my experiences of graduating were kind of well the year of 2020 was a weird one anyway so graduating in that time as you can imagine was pretty weird and obviously for you guys your uni experience has completely changed as well but also when we were at the start of the pandemic everything was also new and no one knew what was going on so at that time I guess all I could really do there was no end of year show there was no graduation there was no contact kind of I mean we had a zoom call every like every week or every two weeks or something and you'd have a a one-to-one with a tutor but there was there was nothing more after that and so it kind of it dropped off very suddenly um so after that my focus was really making sure that I was still networking with people and I really just utilised Zoom a heck of a lot, kind of (laughs) was using Zoom all the time and a lot of places that either I'd like subscribe to their newsletters or things like that. So different arts organisations in the Southwest, whether that be like galleries and museums or kind of community interest groups or anything like that, I was just getting in touch with them and a lot of people in the pandemic were um, putting on like little networking socializing zooms um, so I just did loads of them and literally just for a few months gained loads of contacts not for the purpose of gaining contacts but just having conversations like this you know having fun doing little creative challenges and honestly that's what got me through and um, I mean through that I've actually had some freelance work because you end up chatting to people and you know you start talking and it was like oh you know what actually you might be suited to that project or have you seen this and you kind of get passed on resources that sort of thing so I was really lucky that you know I was able to have that time because after uni 
of everyone obviously spends their time differently but in a way the pandemic forced me to really have time I had no choice to do anything else really it was like your time at home you can go out once a day but um so I just I spent the time kind of making a website putting stuff together and just reaching out to people really which is when I started doing the tape collective producers I got a couple of shoots most of them were pretty much all cancelled I was due to do like a few festivals and things photograph them (laughs) commissions and they were all cancelled so it was literally just perseverance and I think that is the only problem that's probably like the only bit of advice I can give to you is or to anyone really kind of in or out of education is like perseverance is the key I mean it took me about nine months to get a job and I was literally job hunting for so long and I'm very very fortunate to be employed now and be able to kind of have that stability but for a while I was just doing freelance work when I could and as much as I could and that kind of opened me up to lots of different things so I am awful with social media but I got offered some editorial work and now I've learned tons, you know, like doing some writing, doing a little bit of um, like running social media campaigns and loads of different things that I literally never would have done at uni. It would have been miles away from what I felt comfortable doing. But when you get thrown in that situation, you know, you just run with it. So that's all I'd say is kind of when you come out of university, don't be afraid to feel like you should be doing one thing. I think you should... It's great to open yourself up to lots of different opportunities and also just keep in mind the end goal. Because I think so often people get out of university and then they're like, okay, I need to make some money, which of course you do. And then you kind of, you get comfortable, which is, that's the kind of the point I'm at now is, is this job necessarily my career aspiration? No, but is it going to tie me through at the moment? Yeah. And kind of navigating that side of it and being comfortable or, or whatever so that's kind of a that's kind of the phase I'm at now which is a different altogether so I'm navigating that (laughs) thank you for being so honest about all of that because I I mean me and Anna talk about this a lot but like we both wish that people were more open and kind of willing to discuss just like the general nerves and anxiety and like Mm. potholes that life throws you particularly when you are a creative of some sort Um, because I think that's quite a unique set of situations compared to kind of other subjects that people are studying or trying to get into the creative industry is interesting it has its own set (laughs) of rules and I feel like those rules are that there are no rules Um, (laughs) and that can be a bit overwhelming like I've already stated (laughs) (laughs) too much freedom (laughs) but yeah I did actually have a question um Mm -hmm. So obviously you mentioned that once you kind of graduated and you had the time, you started building a website. That's something that like we haven't, like it's not even been thrown away. And I know on our course, we actually don't get a lot of support when it comes to the practical side of things. So like websites, marketing, business cards, all that sort of thing. We've not really given any help. But I was wondering, you said that obviously earlier you kind of, you do a lot of different things. Um... Obviously, you do photography, but you're doing curatorial stuff, you're doing editorial things. Um, Mm -hmm. So when it came to making the website, did you find that hard? Because obviously a website I always view as being quite a, almost like polished and put together and cohesive kind of way of looking at someone 
and going, yes, I like this, or no, I don't like that, or these are the services they offer. Um, mm. Yeah, I was wondering if you found that challenging, considering you do quite a wide breadth of work. Yeah, I that is something that has always kind of been another thing that feels like it's putting you in a box. Um, so my website at the moment is purely just a photography portfolio, and it has lots of different information on there, like a almost like a CV type thing, like an online CV, which I can then signpost people to, and it kind of outlines all of my experience, not just photography. But yeah, I did, I found it really difficult because you are expected to have this kind of polished version of yourself that you kind of show others. And a lot of people use Instagram as like a portfolio as well. And yeah, kind of finishing university, it's like, this has to be absolutely perfect. This is like your shop window. That's how they described it to us. Like mm. your your shop window is your Instagram, which has to be linked to your website and everything is cohesive and blah, blah, blah. blah. But um, yeah, I mean, this is why I've kind of gone down the route of being creative a bit more because at the moment I'm kind of, I'm actually redoing my website at the moment because it doesn't have any kind of, it lists my curation work, but it doesn't outline it like it does my photography. Photography is very visual, very easy to showcase it. Mm. How do you kind of encompass curation without it being loads of different photos and texts and everything else and kind of describing the whole process I think um that's kind of what I've struggled with and also just the random stuff I've done like some of the freelance work I had a temporary contract for about nine months with Plymouth City Council Plymouth College of Art and the University of Plymouth and there was so much random stuff that we did with that. Like we designed the side of a bus. We literally designed a bus <laughs> and so it's driving cool. around Plymouth now. And um, I'm like, how do I put that on a website? Like what? <laughs> you know? And how do you kind of say to people that you can do all these different skills? Because it's one thing saying, oh, I can do all these different things. But also you kind of want to show what you're really best at as well. Because mm. if you say, oh, I can do absolutely everything that might be well and good, but there might be someone with a specialist skill in graphic design who could design a bus way better. There are millions of people who could do that way better than me. Anyway, so um, yeah, at the moment, my my website is purely photography, but it's going to be more curation as well once I've launched the new one. So that is kind of back to the point of how do you brand yourself? And there's quite an emphasis on that in third year, or there was at my course anyway. But again, that's kind of something that is left to your own devices, I think. And being a creative course, you leave uni and a lot of the time it's like, if you want to be a freelancer, then you have to you have to register yourself as a business. You know, how do you do tax returns? How do you manage your pricing? How do you, do you have a website? Where do you get work from? How do you navigate all of this? All of a sudden it's placed in your lap and you're like, well, I've got to make something out for this. And all of a sudden you have to use what you've learned and, you know, try and be productive with it in whatever way you see fit. So it's all kind of a, a learning curve, really, and all part of the fun, really. But that's the part I like about freelancing. It's kind of every day is different. And although I'm not doing it full time at the moment, that's kind of the really the really fun bit that I just want to do so much <laughs> so much of it <laughs> mm. do you have any like favorite freelance projects that you've done recently this year or curational projects 
Yeah, probably my favourite project this year is um, I helped, well, I was the co-curator for an exhibition um, which launched in Torbay, um, near to where I live in Devon. Um, so it's like a little seaside town. Um, it was at a gallery called the Artisan Gallery. So I, that was my third exhibition that I've um, curated with them because I'm a um, I'm the creative director for the Southwest Collective, which is like a photography arts organization and um, we have like a camera store that sort of thing so that's kind of another little side hustle thing but we also like promote work and so part of that is we've tried to do a physical exhibition every year so this one that we had um, was around April time and that came down probably about four weeks ago now four or five weeks ago Um, but that was the biggest show that I've curated and it was probably about six or eight months of planning involved and doing everything from kind of writing the brief of the exhibition, finding out how to monetize it. When you think, oh, I want to put on an exhibition, put up work, fill a beautiful space or transform a space rather, you know, I've done stuff before. It's been like a disused charity shop and you literally have to like fill in holes in the wall and paint the whole thing, which is great fun. (laughs) But this was like a proper gallery, so it was, there's tons of resources there and we actually chose to have everything framed and it's a huge space, we filled it with beautiful photography. It was purely a photography um, show and then we had to figure out how to monetize it. You know, there's rent for the space, electricity, paying for people to come and um, like invigilate the space, so to speak, but, you know, making sure that all the safety precautions are met um, it's open to the public as well, or it was open to the public. So managing all of that. So there was a lot of overheads to cover. Um, so, yeah, we, we created a zine, um, which we sold. And, yeah, everyone who didn't get selected f- to have their work on the wall was then included in the zine. So it was like a nice little way to encompass everyone who'd submitted work to us in our open call. And then just have a little takeaway afterwards and we got them printed and bounded and it was it was a really nice project and it was something that I've been working on consistently since graduating. So that kind of was like a milestone that I was like, yes. And also it's like it's what I love doing the most is kind of putting on exhibitions is my my thing. That's what I'd be doing twenty four hours a day if I could. <laughs> so that's literally the funnest part. Aww. But yeah. Have you guys had any shows or anything to kind of celebrate second year or is it more third year that you do in your course? Um, well, we had, um, was it an exhibition? It was called a festival, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an arts festival, an online arts oh, festival. Cool. Online being the key word yes. in there. Yeah, <laughs> purely online. Um, and so, yeah, like our entire year group, which is about in the realm of like 80-ish people, I think, was split Mm -hmm. into about um, eight groups, I think. And then each group had to put on, like each group worked very independently to like put on their own show or, you know, online thing, which was then linked together with one big website. So it was interesting because it was a little bit like, I don't know, incoherent seems a bit harsh, but like overall it didn't like, that every group was doing something so different that it was a bit confusing as to like how it all tied together. But like, Mm -hmm. it was interesting to see yeah how everyone interpreted it mm. in their own different ways that's really <laughs> cool did you have like one theme or did everyone just have their own work and presented that in whichever way they wanted it was genuinely pretty much everything um <laughs> I it was it was very um 
what's the opposite of cohesive? Because that's what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> well, that's why I said incoherent, but I think that's not quite what I meant. I was going for the opposite of coherent, but I don't know what the Do word. You know what? I'm going to yeah. go ahead and say it. It was chaotic. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, that's the fun of group very... shows. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was very dependent on the group. Like I think in my group we collectively kind of followed the very vague theme of um I think it was like almost like ge- uh, geographical location because I think mm-hmm. within our group like most of us were in England um one of the people was actually in Madeira um there were Ooh. people kind of you know right down in Falmouth and kind of a lot further up the country um so we like that idea of connection through geographical location but I mean that was just us there were yeah, probably at least eight groups. And I mean, every group kind of did their own thing. Um, <laughs> so it was interesting. But we also Definitely. had the opportunity to do the miniatures exhibition as well, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we had the miniatures exhibition. And there's also been, I guess, I don't know if you will have seen it, unless kind of on Instagram or something like that. But um, we had, there was a couple of street view exhibitions, which is where a group of third years put it on where they got people to get in touch with them if they had like a, a window that they were willing to use for the exhibition and then other people got in touch with artworks and then they kind of paired them up so that there was kind of these like walking trails you could do around Falmouth where you go and find all the windows that have various people's art in and I think there's been three of those so yeah which has been I guess it's nice to explore the um like how you can do ex- exhibitions in Covid because mm. obviously there's online exhibitions as one side of things and then Street View is quite a nice like it's like not quite an in-between because it is pretty much entirely in person but obviously you're not going into people's houses and things like that so I love that idea though I don't think anything like that has happened in Devon or not that I know of anyway but that's such a cool idea I really love that idea Mm. was it kind of just 2d work or was it 3d work as well I guess there's lots of different 3d work in yeah, I had to use someone's window, so and it was it was lovely to actually like get to meet like this is might sound a bit stupid, but like get to meet a family local. Like mm. I was just in her house, and I was like, oh, lovely to meet you. Hello, <laughs> that's so cool. Um, and then another yeah, and then then the second one, I put some I put a drawing in, and I had it in like the window of some opticians. So it was just a bit all over the place, but quite fun. That's really nice cool. to like actually get work out the house. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing as well. Also, kind of the context of your work is kind of at the moment everything is digital because of covid like it's so hard to actually put work in a space or within an environment for people to go and see it because there's so many restrictions still i mean you can go to galleries and things i've been to a few museums like the last few weekends but you know there's tape up and you can't touch anything and there's a whole different level of experience there that you're missing out on and i think kind of having that trail and you kind of make your own route or you know you go to different points that's kind of a really nice way of making it a much more community and also really accessible you know you don't have to pay entrance or you don't have to you know go on a certain day when it's open you know you just you just navigate it Mm. when you want it's much more of a community approach which is really nice yeah it was a really really good idea to be fair i think i i don't know if they're planning on carrying on with it in some way but I hope they are. <laughs> that was good, yeah. But I mean, obviously, we've been recording for a fair few minutes. But one thing I definitely do want to discuss is, <laughs> obviously, you've mentioned, obviously, not so far on the podcast, but you've mentioned to us um, 
that you've had a few kind of paid internships grants I think that sort of thing I'd love to kind of know a bit more about that like what are they how did you find out about them how was the application yes, process <laughs> you're like where can I get the money <laughs> tell us all <laughs> yeah um so I was really lucky yeah I got two paid internships um which I was so grateful for that I got those in around about November time so at that time what we were in a lockdown number two I guess national lockdown number two yeah. so they came about um through the University of Plymouth they were a scheme um through the through the Mayflower funding actually um because of all the celebrations for the Mayflower in Plymouth at this time and obviously they've just had the box reopen which is a brand new museum in Plymouth which is incredible I recommend anyone go because it is so good um, okay yeah it's really cool um brand new art gallery and facilities and beautiful archives in there as well and it got pushed back so many times they were supposed to open it I think it was September the original date and obviously Covid and everything um but yeah it's finally open now and it's all ace but um one of the paid internships I got was funding to kind of do with that um and it was a it was a five hundred pound brief, so you didn't have to worry about the pricing side of it. It was just thirty five hours. You get five hundred pound, and you were set a brief. So it was purely open to students and graduates. And um, so the first brief I had was for the Devon Guild of Craftsmen, um, which is a lovely little gallery um, in Buffy Tracy, near where I live in Devon. And I was kind of they were actually really great they they sent me a brief and then they said to be honest you you could be really flexible in what you want to do if you say you want to curate a show then do that if you want to work with the archives you do that you know there's plenty of stuff for you to get on with um so I kind of did a, a mix of that um so I worked really closely with the exhibitions team um I did have one day where I went in um and then a, a lot of it I did virtually but it was so nice to have that flexibility I mean they they really did allow me to kind of choose the way of working that suited me um so I was very lucky in that sense um and kind of I went through the archive of their kind of their annual exhibitions because they've had them since literally like the 1960s and they have these really cool exhibition catalogues so every year they'd have an annual show um like a summer exhibition and it would be always like a different location and then they finally got their building that they're in now um, which is this beautiful building and it's it's got a water mill on the side so it's it's really cool and they're actually getting funding now to hopefully the water that goes around the mill is gonna power the whole building so they're gonna have a kiln in there and it will be powered by water oh my god that's so it's cool. really cool yeah so there's a lot of um developments going on there but yeah, so I've worked with the archive, worked with the exhibitions team, um, helped promote one of their exhibitions. So that was really cool. And then from then, I've been really, really lucky. They've actually given me a few days freelance work as well off the back of that, just because they liked my way of working. And unfortunately for them, um, they had to make a lot of staff redundant. They had a team of, I think it was near to 20 people, and there's now about eight of them. I think um so yeah they got real big cuts in there unfortunately and they just kind of really streamlined the whole business so yeah practically speaking everyone was kind of doing 
a bit of everyone's job role. So I think that's another interesting part of the whole pandemic is people are now expected to be doing so many different job roles within one. So they've kindly given me some freelance work to promote their exhibitions. Kind of, I got this huge networking list that I put together. And so now when there's an open call, every time they have a new exhibition, I'm able to um, like make some content for them and put it out to all the network and kind of specific to the exhibition brief to kind of um, build some contacts and put the word out. So all of that has just been a really great experience and something that I didn't I didn't really think about really. I didn't think museums or galleries would kind of use freelancers in that way. So it's been really interesting to mm. to work with these people and also just to I never really thought I'd be putting together spreadsheets within a gallery context. <laughs> like that's just so fun because you like you never think of like all the different skills that you'd kind of pull in for like yeah. one little role which I really enjoyed doing I really enjoy just like doing whatever is going to be really helpful um yeah so yeah I mean that that's been really lovely and like I said has led to lots of lovely conversations so I think if if there is opportunities to do freelance work or if there's some briefs or grants or anything like that I would just encourage to do that and places like Arts Council often have some um, they have really good um, listings where even if it's like you can see what exhibitions are on you you know you can turn up or even just email the organizers you never know what might come out of it so that's kind of yeah the way I've kind of navigated the last few months yeah it's you've honestly done so much it's (laughs) it sounds like a lot but I've had a lot of time trust me I've had a lot a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) I mean you've literally only been graduated for one year and it's been in a global pandemic and here you are like you've done very well for yourself I'd say if I have any questions about how to get any Arts Council funding, I will be hitting you up. <laughs> I mean, I haven't received Arts Council funding because the process oh, yeah, for that sorry, is apparently quite difficult. I know people that have had Arts Council funding and you have to spend a long time on the application. But I think it's one of those, like, once they've invested in you, they they like to reinvest in that person because they've already kind of put money into yeah. that creative. And they, I think they... um not from personal experience, but from what other people have said. So it's always a really great thing to apply for. And I know they have some great like artist development schemes and things like that. So especially um, for mm-hmm. fine art, you know, if, if you want to just have fine art as your creative practice and that be your day job, then definitely funding is the way forward because it allows you so much flexibility in in what you want to create and what you want to do with that so yeah there's definitely there's like lots of little funding pots around and even maybe check in with um like your local mp around in devon there's um well in torbay we've been able to access some funding pots um through that um because of community engagement and things like that so that's always really worth considering also if you're doing a project or if you're putting on an exhibition consider how you can get the community involved or if you can get sponsors involved like reach out to local businesses and say hey I don't know you could have a Cornish brand who makes wine or something like that and say hey Mm -hmm. would you want to give us some wine so that we could promote your wine at our (laughs) exhibition that's a good way to do it like we've had that with a few places Mm -hmm. in Devon and it's good to kind of collaborate with local people and it kind of works both ways so Mm. yeah handy little tip there 
I <laughs> feel like you've just handed us like a juicy platter of knowledge. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good way of putting it. A juicy uh, platter of knowledge. Juicy mm. platter of knowledge. Maybe that's going to be this episode title. Juicy yeah, platter I'm of writing knowledge. that down. <laughs> A juicy platter of knowledge from Emma. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh dear. I mean, are there any last things that you wanted to mention or talk about? Anything you want to promote? Like, this is your opportunity. Um, that is a good question. I hadn't even thought that far ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, did did you want to give your website a little shout out? Yeah, sure. So my website is www.com emmaboothphoto.com so that can at least give some visuals to all the rambling that I've made and I think it kind of it's quite nice for people to see visuals I think because it I don't know for me as a creative I think it kind of brings out a bit of my personality in the work so hopefully it gives people a sense of what I like doing and there's a few videos on there as well of like the exhibitions I've done and stuff so it just gives a little snippet really Mm. amazing well in that case i feel like we have covered so much i mean i don't know if we actually have but in my mind i feel like we've covered so much we've talked a lot (laughs) isn't it amazing i've loved it (laughs) oh thanks guys it's been really fun i honestly feel like i've just sat back and let the juicy platter of knowledge just wash over me i feel so much (laughs) more prepared for my graduate life now oh i'm excited (laughs) oh dear well emma thank you so much for coming on and doing this it has been honestly amazing i've loved every second of it (laughs) oh me too i really loved it and it's so nice actually to have like conversations as well i think once you graduate you kind of you're not in that kind of bubble as much. So it's so nice just to have mm. creative conversations. And that's one thing you should do after you finish uni is keep up conversation because I feel like people don't realise how important that is. That's all part of a creative practice as well is just having conversations with people. Even if it's just, you know, walking past someone and you start having a random chat. That's why I like being a photographer actually as well. You get to like photograph people and you get the weirdest <laughs> conversations. So continue that, you know. <laughs> Maybe if you're like life drawing, just start a random conversation or, you know, whatever you do in your final <laughs> practice, you know, just start a fun conversation. <laughs> That's like the most important thing, I think. I love that. Well, there you go. That was the last tip. I think that was a great tip to finish on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And once again, we're going to do the horrific ending that we always do. If you've made it this far, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to get better at ending these episodes. But it's it's yeah, becoming we're a problem. Just tail out <laughs> with just chaos at the end. We're like, um, uh, I guess, um, thank you. <laughs> Come back, please. <laughs> oh dear. But, uh, yeah, thanks, thank you guys. again. Thank you to listening. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Let's wrap up. Cool. Well, hey. All right. Cheers, Bye, guys. everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.